Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Eliza Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. And this may be the second time this week you have heard us on the radio. What do you think? Wow. Are you excited? So excited. Eliza and I were on Inside Sources on KSL this week. I was the guest host, but Eliza was our guest when I was the guest host. Exciting stuff, right? You got on there and you gave your top three of who you want for president, which are in order... Uh, Elizabeth Warren, and yeah. then the other two I panicked and just said names I could remember. <laughs> <laughs> we have Pete Buttigieg in there. Buttigieg. Uh, Did I, I say threw, it wrong? Yes, you said Pete Buttigieg. It's exactly the same no, as what not. you just said. Buttigieg, Buttigieg. They're different. Buttigieg, like the judge of Buddha. Buddha judge. No, you say boot, egg, egg. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. Oh, I Buttigieg. thought it was like a Buddha judge. The judge no, in Buddha. his Twitter bio, it says like to pronounce boot and then the word egg and then the word egg. Okay, Buttigieg. anyway, that's fine. Go ahead. Um, I said Pete Buttigieg and Cory Booker. I like them both. I don't know that they're my next two. I know Pete's not my next two. I don't want a mayor to be president. Cory could be in the top. I think Cory's still in the top three. I'm not a Cory I think fan Bernie's either. in the top three, though. I think Cory really embarrassed himself during the Kavanaugh hearings. I think Cory... Was showboating and did his I am Spartacus everyone, moment. Everyone showboated during the Kavanaugh okay. hearings, Republicans and Democrats alike. All right. Well, that's neither here nor there because what we want to it's talk there. about is the fact it's there. Okay, that's fine. But what I think we need to talk about what everybody's talking about, which is that President Trump's chief of staff admitted a quid pro quo this week. Ooh, he admitted to a lot of quid pro quos. He says it happens all the it time. It happens all the time and get over it. And it's just stunning to me how brazen the Trump administration is being about doing impeachable things. Well, here here is the thing that a lot of people are speculating, is that the Trump administration is hoping that they can come out and say, yeah, we did these things, so what? And the public will be like, oh, oh, these things are legal then. And like no one will call their bluff. And I think that's their move right now. I think that's the only move. Well, and I think it's actually a pretty good strategy. I think it's the only, you're right, I think it's the only strategy they have. But this essentially worked for the Clintons. The Clintons, what, what Bill Clinton was accused of and legally was far less um, legally problematic than what Trump has been doing. Right. But by the time we got to impeachment, everybody was used to it. And everybody assumed, oh, he's just lying about sex. Everybody lies about sex. But Who cares? I don't think it's working in the exact same way because a lot of Republicans are... I don't think it's working at all. Are- I think it could work for everyday Republicans who aren't paying quite as much attention. But in terms of representatives and senators, a lot of them are saying, "Did he just admitted to this? He just right. admitted." And so I think, I think the latest this could being, change. The latest being Ohio Governor John Kasich, mm-hmm. who's who I voted for the last time I voted for a Republican for president. Well, I, I'm more saying people in the impeachment inquiry, Republicans are starting to change sides. I can't remember Lisa. Is her name Murdoch? I can't. I don't know. Well, there's a member um, of the House. A member of the House, a couple of senators, they've all kind of, um, they've all started to express that this this Mulvaney interview is really okay. a kicker to them. So a couple of other things have happened that have mm-hmm. piled on Trump, whether he wants it or not. Trump has come under fire from the beginning of his presidency for violation of the emoluments clause. Uh, yeah. You're familiar with that? Yeah. So the Constitution explicitly says that the president is not allowed to get emoluments or payments from foreign governments. And every other administration has interpreted this to mean that the president should divest himself completely of private businesses so that there's no appearance of conflict of interest. For instance, during the Bush administration, Vice President Cheney was on the board of Halliburton Oil 
And all during the Gulf, all during the, I'm sorry, the Iraq War, they kept saying, this is all for Halliburton. This is all to make Cheney rich. Well, Vice President Cheney sold all of his Halliburton stock before he became vice president because he knew that would be a conflict of interest. And that's what every president has done up Except until now. Now, Trump has announced that the next G7 summit right. is going to be at one of his hotels. One of his failing hotels. Which means that money from... A lot of money, millions of dollars. From other governments will be going directly into the Trump Corporation. Correct. Which is a very clear violation. It, it's, it's one, two, three. You know, it's like, this is what this says you're not supposed to do. That's exactly what Trump is thing. doing. I think he's like... Hmm. I'll probably get pardoned if I get impeached. Let's start doing as many impeachable things as possible until then and just make some money off of it. Well, you can't get pardoned. A pardon cannot well, erase an impeachment. A pardon no, but it would erase, erase the criminal act. Well, if he got con- if he got convicted in the if he got removed if in the Senate. If he got removed from office, he would then be liable for yes, a criminal trial. But I bet Mike Pence would pardon him. I think he'd say yeah, everything he did. Well, if he got to that point because Gerald Ford, the reason Gerald Ford was never elected president, he's the only president of the United States that was never elected. Yes, I know. And he was appointed as vice president. He assumed the presidency. And he ran for for re-election, even though he'd never been elected. And he came very, very close to Jimmy Carter. It was actually surprising how close he came because everybody assumed that he had no shot in the world. Mm -hmm. But That was the, was that the Tamales election? Tamales? Gerald Ford didn't know how to eat a tamale, and I don't. I, it must have been that election. What? That's the only election he's I running. Have, oh, Gerald I Ford. About his tamale eating skills. <laughs> um. So Gerald Ford wanted to appeal to Latino, Latino, and Latina voters to try and win the election, and so he went to something in Texas, and they handed him a tamale to eat, and he tried to eat it with a corn husk on. That sounds like Bob Dole. No, I know it was Ford. You know it was Ford. I know it was Ford because I teach it in my Poly 110 class. And then at the end of his election, someone asked his campaign manager, what's one thing you learned from this campaign? And the campaign manager said, always shuck your tamales. Always shuck your tamales. That is good political advice. Well, Ford also said that Poland wasn't under Soviet domination at the time, which it absolutely was. Gerald Ford eating tamale. Eating tamale. You're Googling that right now, even as we speak. How a plate of tamales may have crushed Gerald Ford's... Oh, there's a picture. There's a picture. He didn't know how to eat a tamale. (laughs) Poor Gerald Ford. Sorry, Mr. Ford. Uh, But uh, I've met his son. His son's a very nice guy. We need to get back on track. We need to get back on track. Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon. Right. So the the thing that destroyed Ford's election chances from the outset... I mean, Ford started to come back and got close to Carter... But everybody assumed it was over because Ford's approval rating went into the toilet when he said, I'm going to pardon Richard Nixon, right. and Richard Nixon is not going to go to jail. Right. And so I think Mike Pence, looking at that, would think that would be the stupidest thing I could possibly do is pardon Donald Trump. Although I don't know how far up you know, Donald Trump's behind Mike Pence is in terms of the loyalty that would extend beyond removal from office. I can't imagine that it would. Is that a terrible thing? Am I allowed to say how far up his behind he is? No, don't ask me. Ask KSL. All right. Well, that's a good question. Anyway, I wanted to spend some time in this podcast giving advice to Republicans because I think there is a way forward for Republicans that would be helpful to the party and to the country. And I think Republicans are blowing it. I think Democrats are blowing it to some degree too. But what the Republicans need to do is recognize how to cut their losses. Does that make any sense? 
I think Republicans will be in a much stronger position for 2020 if they make a collective decision behind the scenes to get rid of Donald Trump. And I'm going to explain why when we get back from our break. Are you excited? You look like you're excited. I'm not convinced so far. I know you're not convinced, but you are excited. Okay. All right. Either way, when we come back, that's our advice. I don't know where you're going with this podcast. That's okay. Here's where I'm going with this podcast. Republicans who cut their losses now, who decide to throw aside Donald Trump, then have an entire year with President Mike Pence and have an entire year to be able to put the Trump years behind us and the embarrassment behind us and get behind somebody who fits the traditional mode of what a Republican is. If they were to do that, they would have a much stronger chance of holding the White House in 2020. If they don't do that and Trump spirals out of control, uh, they're in serious trouble. I don't know. I... I don't know if impeaching Trump would mean that they could get another Republican in because then they lose the incumbent advantage. And that's, I think, the largest driver. No, but you don't lose the incumbent advantage if Pence is the president. You kind of lose the incumbent advantage. He's still the he's the president. He's the one who's running. I, I just don't think it would be nearly as strong. And I think there's, right now, I think it's going to be a very close fight between whoever the Democrats decide to nominate and Trump. And I think might even a small decline in whatever incumbent advantage Trump has, I think could hurt re-election chances. And so I don't think Mike Pence would have nearly as good of a shot as Trump does. Well, the thing is, what's happening with Trump is he's unraveling right before our eyes. He's following your strategy, which is double down on impeachable nonsense. What's going on in Turkey with the Kurds, for instance? Mm -hmm. Did you read that letter? Yes. It was ridiculous. I mean, I thought... You're going to be the devil. Can I call you later? It's like, I don't want to destroy the Turkish economy, and I will, which is a grammatically incorrect sentence in and of itself, and a ridiculously stupid, provocative, nonsense sentence. It's just stunning to me. Bold to start with the grammar. What? Bold to start with the grammar. Bold to start with the grammar. I don't want to, and I will. I mean, I guess grammatically it's okay, but it's nonsense. It's a silly thing I don't think the thing that the voters care about is the grammar, I'm be honest. Maybe you and grandma. Yeah, that's true. I think the rest of the Grandma, if you're listening, he's threatening Turkey. I'm standing up for grammar. Yeah, he's threatening Turkey, but and then he's saying, "Let's make a deal. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool." It just reads like a tweet. I don't think he remembers it reads how like to an, like an article from the Onion. That every every news source right now reads like an article from the Onion because we're living in a dystopian society. We're living in a dystopian society, but you've had you had you had a vote in the House of Representatives that uh, essentially censured President Trump for taking this action in Turkey. And 125 Republicans joined in on the vote. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's significant. You had Mitt Romney on the floor of the Senate just excoriating President Trump for what he did by abandoning the Kurds and helping the slaughter. Yes. Back up. You're raising Um, your hand. Yes. Yes. I I have a comment that happened this week. President Trump tweeted a picture of Nancy Pelosi shaking her finger at him across the table and said something about like, She's a sick woman. No, it just a, it's just like Nancy's meltdown or something like right. that. And Nancy Pelosi made it her cover picture on Twitter. Yes. So great things happening in Washington right now. Well, that was the encounter that the Drudge Report uh, advertised as a meltdown from President Trump. Insisted that President Trump had called Nancy Pelosi a third-rate politician and had just completely lost it. And if you look at that picture, the reason why it's so much better for Pelosi than Trump is that everybody around Trump is staring at their hands. 
They, I mean, they all have their heads down. They're all looking like they want to be anywhere in the world than sitting next to this guy. And it's just stunning to me that President Trump doesn't see any of that. He doesn't understand how he's perceived by rational people. I think he's been surrounded by idiots for so long that it just doesn't occur to him that the way he sees everything is not the way that everybody else sees everything. His perception of the world is dangerously warped and is dangerous to the country at large. And the more he goes forward, just showing that to everybody, just doubling down on this nonsense, there, there's a whole lot more crap that's going to hit the fan before impeachment even gets going. And he's still refusing to testify, but that's not happening with the people who are being subpoenaed. There are people he's told not to testify who are agreeing to testify. Yeah. And John Bolton is now against um, Trump. I can't I can't remember her name now. But one of the first testimonies that lasted, I want to say, for like twenty hours in the closed door meetings that they're not they're not allowing press in, they're not letting the public to see. But they um reports are saying that her testimony said that John Bolton and her went to White House lawyers in like July over this. Right. And so I think this is just showing that flags have been raised and people have recognized that this is a bad thing since the beginning. This was right. not this single whistleblower coming in after. Right. And Everybody, thinks, well, anybody who looks at it can know that this is wrong. Yeah. John Bolton said, tell like, tell the white house lawyers we're not part of this drug deal. Like they, everyone recognizes this is <laughs> a giant issue that they do not want to be part of because they don't want to see themselves dragged down with Trump. Right. Well, and so, if the Republicans do not turn on Trump and there is a trial in the Senate and there, there, the impeachment, I think, is, is a foregone conclusion. He's right. going to be impeached and there will be a trial in the Senate. Right. Mitch McConnell is saying that he wants to have the trial done before uh, the end of the year, maybe even by Thanksgiving. I'm and- worried that Mitch McConnell is going to try and do what they tried to do in the Clinton investigation, where... He has already said he'll introduce the trial. So right. that's not the question anymore. But in the Clinton impeachment, they tried to dismiss it immediately based on there's no evidence, basically. And I'm worried that... Well, there was a move to dismiss that the Democrats made. But yes, the Republicans it didn't had pass. The majority. It didn't yes. pass. But so I'm worried that a similar move will be made by the Republicans now and they'll dismiss it. The problem is, the problem is that Clinton had public opinion on his side and Trump does not. Uh, Pew Research came out with a poll, 52% favor impeachment. Fox News had the 51% poll that freaked everybody out because it was Fox News. Since then, Pew Fox Research... Fox News has fine... I'm, I have no problem with their polls. The, but I, I don't care about Pew's poll unless they're telling us the move of Republicans. Well, Moderates and Democrats are moving to impeach Trump. Right. But, but when Clinton was impeached, um, Republicans... Uh, 33% of Americans, which included a, a large number of Republicans, did not want to see impeachment happen. Right now, 54%, according to Gallup, want to see impeachment happen. The number keeps rising as time goes on. And if Republicans do not take impeachment seriously... 33% wanted to see him be impeached or did not want to see him Wanted to see him impeached. 67% did not want to see impeachment. Right now, we are at 46% that don't want to see Trump impeached. I I got the math. Yeah, so so if, if... if the Republicans just dismiss this and try to pretend this is just partisan nonsense and nobody cares, they are the ones who are going to suffer. This is the different dynamic of impeachment now than impeachment under Clinton. I do not think, unless the Democrats overreach, 
which they are 97% likely to do it's, I mean, because they're Democrats and because they're partisans. We're just shooting both parties right now. You just, sh- you're, right, you just right. don't want to have ties on either side. I, well, that may be true. But I think I think Democrats. I want will, to have ties. Okay, well, fine. I don't want to sever all ties with well, both I, parties. I have really good ties with the Utah. You, you, what's the name of my party? United Utah. The United Utah Party. Scott Howell, my guest host, kept saying Utah United. I didn't want to correct him. We are the United Utah Party. I don't think you knew how to correct him. You clearly don't know the name. That may be very very true. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna hash out the hardcore. Uh, implications of impeachment politically when we get back from our break. You still don't know where we're going with this. You think this is nonsense. I mean, this feels more like actual dinner table politics where there's no (laughs) point to a conversation, but There is a point. There's a big point. And the point is that politically, impeachment is a positive for Democrats now. And Republicans need to recognize that. Republicans need to recognize that voters are not going to be angry with Democrats for raising impeachment. This is the reason why Democrats did not raise impeachment after the Mueller report, is because they knew the political consequences would be negative. Impeachment is 100% political. And right now, the political momentum is in the Democrats' court. It is not in the Republicans' court. And if the Republicans play politics with this, and they get credible testimony which they're going to get. I mean, we've seen it publicly. The Trump administration has admitted, A, they withheld aid for political purposes. B, those political purposes were the investigation of Trump's chief political rival. So the conclusion is, C, he was using a quid pro quo to use get a foreign government to interfere with our elections. I mean, if that isn't an impeachable offense, there is no such thing as an impeachable offense. And everybody knows that. Everybody recognizes that. And if a Republican comes along and says, this isn't that big a deal. This is nonsense. The American people don't care. Blah, blah, blah. It's the Republican that is going to suffer unless the Republican is Mike Lee from the state of Utah, which is going to vote for a Republican no matter what. It's a Republican who is going to be in serious trouble with independents and with moderates. And the Democrat who pushes impeachment at this point is not a Democrat who's going to suffer at the polls for doing so. He's not going to get Trump's base, but he was never going to get Trump's base. Should I be saying she, he or she is not going to get Trump's base. But right now, I think this is significant. I think this is huge. You do not. You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person. No, I think this is significant. I just... Don't but you, but you care don't, about my facial expressions because we're on a podcast. Oh, okay. That's fine. But you don't think that that's the case? No, I do. I was looking up this quote. Um, so Representative Francis Rooney of Florida. Yes. He did an interview with the New York Times. And he's talking about Mick Mulvaney's attempt to walk back right. what he so said. So Mick Mulvaney said it was a quid pro quo, got over it. And then he said, oh, wait a minute. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah. In Nixonian terms, that would mean the statement is no longer operative. Nixon actually said that once about one of his defenses of Watergate that went wrong. That statement is no longer operative. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Um, But it just shows that Republicans aren't willing to listen. um, They asked him, what do you think of Mr. Mulvaney's attempt to revise what he said? And he said, I don't know how I can walk it back. It's not like I said these three vague things and one thing was misinterpreted. I didn't see a lot of gray area in what he said. It's pretty clear. And he talks about how... um, He gave Trump the benefit of the doubt, but after the testimonies this week and the impeachment hearings, it looks like game set matched me on the issue. 
So, so he's supporting impeachment. So it, yes, and he says, and he says later that there are multiple Republicans in this camp. It's obvious he says it's a spectrum, and so there are Republicans still supporting. But it sounds like a lot more Republicans are moving, and I think it's becoming a lot harder for them to deny. Like, even if they don't know if it's what their constituents want, I think, I truly believe a lot of them are good people. And I think they're realizing they can't in good conscience continue right. to support him. Right. Well, the, and this was said, to be fair, this was said during the Clinton impeachment. Nobody could come forward during the Clinton impeachment and say, this is out of character for Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton would never have done this. Bill Clinton would never have been gallivanting with a 21-year-old intern. Everybody knew that this was certainly something he was capable of doing, and they just had to say, well, it's sleazy and awful and terrible and we hate it, but it doesn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense. Trump has made it even more difficult to deny the reality of what has happened. Trump has embraced what has happened and just insists there's nothing wrong with it. It was a perfect phone call, and Mulvaney has said, yeah, yeah, this happens, get over it. And Republicans aren't idiots. And voters aren't idiots. I mean, we look at it, we know that this has happened. And the question is, is this an impeachable offense? Is it wrong? Is it enough to remove a president from office for trying to get a foreign government to interfere with an election? Update, yes. Of course it is. Of course it is. So you have all of these Republicans that know these facts and know that the voters know these facts. And as the trial... I want to, sorry, I'm going back to Francis Rooney again, because I think, but he, I don't even know if voters, because the New York Times asked him, have you talked to your constituents about this? And he said, they don't understand how anyone could say anything remotely at variance with President Trump. I'm sorry, but I just call him like I see him. So he doesn't even think his constituents are where he is, but he's willing to say that. Yeah, but that's political bluster. I, you know, I just call him as I see him. To say my constituents... To say, I'm willing to impeach, but my constituents aren't willing to see anything but Trump. I think that's more than political bluster. What, I think so where is he from again? He's from Florida. Okay. So he's probably from a very conservative Yeah. District. And he's saying, my my constituents aren't behind impeachment. They don't see Trump as doing anything wrong. He is the straight and narrow path. Yeah. But, but the thing is, uh, so if you don't follow politics closely, it's still possible to be able to look at this and give Trump the benefit of the doubt. Because there has been so much dumped on Trump I'm not that you can his... just, if, if, you, if you're not actually looking at what the accusation is, you can, oh, this is all part of the fake news. I know. I'm not saying that their constituents are dumb or like, but I'm saying his constituents and him are not aligning right now. Yeah, he, I don't think that's true. Then why would he say that? Why would a politician come out and say, because I'm not sounds, aligning with my constituents? it sounds very courageous to say, I call him as I see him. That's why. That doesn't because make sense. You have to be con- why would you be courageous when it's your constituents who elect you? Like, you don't, who gives a crap if Democrats in, because if, if some I'm weird liberal in Utah thinks you did a good job, if your constituents think you did a bad job? Well, because I think he recognizes that his constituents really are behind him. But they want to hear him sound like a tough guy. That's what I think that is. Okay. That's what I think that is. I don't know if that's what that is. But I look at Mike Lee, for instance. Mitt Romney, bless his heart, has been out in front on this from the beginning and is continuing to be critical of the president. And that criticism is going to rise. And I think the voters of Utah, even the hardcore voters of Utah, um, back will back Mitt Romney no matter what. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say back Trump, and I was like... No, no but they, they, I mean, we have a lot of Trumpers in Utah who are very loyal to the party, but Mitt Romney is giving them enough political cover for them to be able to say, okay, I now have to choose between Mitt Romney and Donald Trump. I choose Mitt Romney. 
I think that's going to be a calculus that a lot of Republicans in Utah are going to make. And I think that's a calculus that Mike Lee might make at some point. Because this is not a static situation. This is a fluid situation. Things continue to move. And all the movement is against Donald Trump. There is no movement toward Donald Trump. And I think that's going to continue. And I think it's going to snowball. I don't think Donald Trump is going to stand for re-election. I, whether that means he resigns, whether that means he's impeached, whether that means he chooses not to run. If he resigned, that would be great. It, it, all three of those things would be great. I mean, not running again would be the, the least great because I want him out of the office. But, but again, Repub- a smart Republican is going to look at this and go, I've got a candidate now who is damaged. I have the opportunity to excise the cancer and make the most of it and try to build up Mike Pence before the 2020 election. So why is Mitch McConnell not jumping Bo then? If Mitch McConnell jumped Bo and recognized that he could play, he could realign the party to where he wants it to be, why would he stick to Donald Trump instead of jumping onto Mike Pence? Mitch McConnell, and and you, you might not agree with this, I think Mitch McConnell is perhaps the smartest politician in washington right now. i don't agree with that you don't agree don't with agree that. with that who is the smartest politician in washington nancy pelosi nancy pelosi I, I think she is so smart i think she is too i don't think nancy pelosi is. i don't know why you think mitch mcconnell is the smartest i think he's being blindsided at every turn and is no, just well mitch mcconnell's been dealt a bad hand oh i know that's the thing is this isn't this isn't mitch mcconnell's hand but Mitch McConnell is playing his cards close to the vest because he recognizes that if he turns on Trump too quickly, if he turns on Trump before the political momentum allows him to do it, that it will blow up in his face. I, Mitch McConnell behind closed doors, I, I think he is saying all kinds of terrible things about Donald Trump. I think Mitch McConnell dreams of seeing Donald Trump out of office. I, can, I don't think there is any loyalty to Donald Trump behind closed doors. Okay, so if you're if if you're right, like if that's correct, Mitch McConnell arguably he he's he's the leader of the Senate right now. Right. If he jumped Bo, arguably many Republicans would because yes. they see their leader doing so, and yes. we could get Trump out of office. Right. So why not? We'll talk about that when we get back from our break. The reason Mitch McConnell is not turned on Donald Trump is not out of loyalty to Trump or out of loyalty to the Republican Party. Moscow, Mitch. Moscow. Oh, that's all nonsense. (laughs) That's all total nonsense. But the reason he has not turned on Trump is because he can read the political winds better than any. That's a mixed metaphor. Read the tea leaves, whatever it is. Mitch McConnell understands Washington. He understands politics. And he understands that... In order for him to be able to turn on Trump, he needs to have the solid backing of his of his caucus. He needs to recognize that the rest of the Republicans are going to join him. He can't just do it and expect them to jump on it because all that will do is split the Republican caucus. And I think Mitch McConnell behind the scenes right now is patiently, quietly working the room, working all of these other Republican senators. And if Jeff Flake's observation is correct, where he says that there are 35 senators that have wanted to impeach Trump since the beginning, if that's true, then what Mitch McConnell is doing is sitting down and saying, what will it take? When do you think we need to turn on Trump? He's trying to enlist all of these senators as allies, and eventually that's going to happen. I, I, I think there is a better 
than 50-50 chance that that's going to happen at this point. At one point, I said it's a better than zero chance that Trump will be removed from office. Now I think it's probably 50-50-ish. Okay. Maybe even better. You, but you don't agree with any of that. I I know I just said I think I think politicians are good people, but I think you're giving too much faith to Mitch McConnell. This has nothing to do with whether or not Mitch McConnell is a good person. It has to do with whether or not he's a savvy politician. You can be a bad person and a savvy politician. That happens a lot. Okay. No? I, you think I'm giving Mitch McConnell too much credit? I, I mean, because... I don't know. I just... I have hopes for politicians, and Mitch McConnell seems like a coward right now to me, and I'm not pleased with him, and I just like Nancy Pelosi right now. All right. Well, I mean, I can understand that, but Nancy Pelosi was being called a coward by her own caucus after the Mueller report, because you had Maxine Waters and you had a number of people screaming impeachment, 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 and she said, absolutely not. She shut it down. And Democrats were furious with her, and they were calling her a coward and blah, 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 blah. What changed? What changed is the political reality, not Nancy Pelosi's principles. Nancy Pelosi didn't all of a sudden become more courageous. No, but Nancy Pelosi was outspoken against Trump the whole time. Like, well, of course he was. And so, of, course, of course she was. But she was going to be outspoken against the reasonable Republican, I know, too. but I think, uh, I don't know. I think your instincts are right to say that most politicians are good people. I firmly believe that. When I worked in Washington and I worked with people who were on the other side of the aisle and discovered that they weren't terrible people, when my father lost and I started working on a Democratic campaign and discovered these were good people who wanted what was best for our country, that was a really inspiring thing for me to discover. I do not think that politicians get into Washington and try to do nefarious deeds. I think that everybody is the hero of their own story and they all believe they're trying to do the right thing. I think we're talking about something that is different from political gamesmanship. Political reality requires things of politicians that seem unsavory to many other people. I mean, people look at it and go, I don't ever want to get involved in politics because I would never have the ability to keep my mouth shut when I felt strongly about something. I think Mitch McConnell, I mean, Mitch McConnell knows exactly that this was a terrible thing. You don't think he does? You don't think he knows that this is an impeachable offense? I, I think Mitch McConnell knows it's an impeachable offense. I'm not trying to call Mitch McConnell stupid, and I'm not trying to call, like, I think he's a very smart man. I'm sure he was elected from Kentucky for a reason. I'm just saying I don't agree with his tactics, and I don't completely agree that he's just waiting for the right moment. I think part of him feels so tied to party, and that party is tied to Donald Trump right now. Well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. And I think Mitch McConnell... Is I, I think you're absolutely right that he's tied to party. But there comes a moment when being tied to party means you have to throw out Donald Trump. I don't think that moment is coming for the Republicans. I think there are moral moments that are coming for the Republicans, but I don't think there will be a moment that says, oh, good, our party has gone elsewhere. Does that make sense? I don't know. Our party has gone elsewhere. Ugh, I, like, I don't think Mitch McConnell or the rest of the Republicans in the Senate are going to see a moment where it's like, yes, clearly the Republican Party is no longer with Trump. Trump this is no longer the party of Trump. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Republicans are going to have to realize we have to decide to throw out Donald Trump and then create the Republican Party we want. I think that's what needs to happen. And I don't think waiting and inching around the subject is going to do that. I think it's going to take some bold moves and broad strokes to do that. Well, you're seeing some bold moves and broad strokes from people like Mitt Romney. Yeah, but and, and Francis, we need them from people is. like Mitch McConnell. Yes. But, and I don't think but Mitch, Mitch McConnell's McConnell's going to do a, that. But he's in a different position than Mitt Romney is. 
Because, because as the leader of the caucus, you also have to be reflective of the sentiment of your caucus. And there will come a time, it's not a matter of principle, it's a matter of expediency. Uh, I, I am not relying on Mitch McConnell's courage. I am relying on, his, on a sense of political expediency, which is the party is going to die unless we cut this cancer out of it, this Donald Trump cancer. And that's my advice to Republicans. Get rid of the cancer so that you can begin to heal. You are a damaged party. You are a party that is going into 2020 with this huge albatross around your neck. Get rid of the albatross and fix yourselves. You okay with that? Great. (laughs) All right. Well, if you are listening to this podcast on the radio, uh, please be sure to subscribe at the KSL Podcast Center or on iTunes. But until next week, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Eliza Bennett. And we'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics.